Last night, I congratulated Donald Trump and offered to work with him on behalf of our country. A lot of people were caught off guard this week by the outcome of the presidential election. It seemed no one thought that Donald J. Trump could actually win. But election night told a different story, of course, and some analysts attribute his victory to a big turnout from white voters without a college degree. This is Educate, a podcast from APM Reports. I'm Stephen Smith. Our guest this week says the gulf between Americans with and without a college education was demonstrated by Trump's surprising popularity. He says college campuses and campus culture have veered too far to the left and that students are graduating without an appreciation for life in working class and rural communities. Charlie Camosi says college educated voters need to learn to venture out of their so-called bubbles. Camosi is an associate professor at Fordham University in New York. The morning after the election, he wrote an article for The Washington Post entitled Trump Won Because College-Educated Americans Are Out of Touch. I started off by asking him to explain. As somebody who teaches college classes and who's part of the guild, I'm just well aware of the fact that we have a pretty monolithic culture. Uh, We don't have a lot of intellectual, philosophical, theological, moral diversity. And that's intentional. We generally think of ourselves as being on the right side of things, and we don't normally think of ourselves as needing to find, you know, professors who teach a view that I find morally objectionable and even offensive. But a lot of the views of the people who voted for Donald Trump are precisely those kinds of views. And there was such a disconnect between college educated and what's sometimes called working class uh, people that I began thinking about that. I thought, man, you know, if we're really as educators committed to education and not just, you know, advocacy, then we have a real responsibility to listen to these voices that have been traditionally marginalized from, you know, institutions of higher education. And, and, but, but we didn't, we, we haven't. And uh, I think we bear some of the blame for that, for that gap. Where do you fall on the political spectrum? Were you supporting one or the other of the candidates? Uh, I was not supporting one or the other of the candidates. I actually wrote in my father-in-law uh, here in New Jersey uh-huh. last night. Um, I, I, I tend to, to think that our liberal conservative binary is just not helpful and things are way more complicated than that. And, and neither candidate I found that I could really support. What happened last night is complicated. Um, it's not simple. So, so it's, it's not right to just say, oh, this is only about a college-educated and non-college-educated divide. But it's simply also not right to just say this is about gender or this is about race or something like that. I think all of them certainly played a role, but I don't think we can limit it you know, to gender and race as I think so many pundits did going into this, going into the events of last night. What would happen, what would change in this whole process if college-educated voters had a better understanding of working class people, people in rural areas, people with ideas that may not be well represented in college institutions? Well, I think what would happen is that there would be far more understanding and not judgment. So the, the, there wouldn't be a, this knee-jerk impulse to say, well, this our, our disagreement is a, is a result of ignorance or a result of bigotry of some kind, which is unfortunately what's very prevalent on college campuses today. It's just a kind of knee-jerk reaction to dismissal. What I tried to argue for in a piece in the Washington Post was to say, hey, it's much more complicated and frankly interesting than that, that we all have first principles, we all have narratives, we all have intuitions which drive us at our 
foundational levels. College-educated people are no different than working-class people in that regard. You imply that college-educated people have a certain obligation to better understand less educated and working class people. But is there a social political obligation that the less educated have? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think the, the kind of, you know, obligation that I'm talking about there is not, you know, specifically for one group or the other. It's, I think, a basic obligation for all groups who are of goodwill. But that that means being able to check our biases and attempt to be in solidarity with our conversation partners wherever they come from, even if they make us deeply uncomfortable. And uh, of course, especially uh, from the perspective of power, you know, I think if somebody has power, they have a particular duty to do that. Uh, unfortunately for people like me, I, I think I need to do that more than, than people who are traditionally marginalized from the public conversations, you know, people whose views are kind of dismissed as inherently homophobic or racist or misogynistic, xenophobic, something like that. Yeah, you know, we have, you know, people like me, professors and media members and others, we have power to control the gates of the conversation. And um, so therefore, I think there's a special, it's, it's not, of course, limited to us, but we have a special duty, I think, to do that since we have the power. You come from Wisconsin, and, and you mentioned when we were talking uh, before we started the interview that that coming from there informs this perspective that you have about the need for the educated elite to understand uh, working people and people from rural areas. Is there something personal? Is there a story you can tell about how you come to that feeling? Well, yeah, I guess um, I could tell I could tell many stories, but but I guess it is very personal for me. I when you know people without college degrees who are way smarter than you and and most people in your PhD cohort who hold views that maybe you and people in your PhD cohort would find really problematic, you know, that for me is a motivation, uh, a a strong motivation to to kind of resist the impulse to just dismiss this as, you know, intrinsically bigoted or something right off the bat. My grandfather, for instance, is sort of your classic Fox News watching Republican. He and I disagree about a lot of things. But and he has he he did not get a college degree, but he built up a company from a garage operation to a multi-million dollar corporation and is incredibly generous both to me and to people in his community, especially the underprivileged in his community. And uh, there would be a lot of people if they just saw on a page, you know, his his political views that would dismiss him in precisely the ways that I was talking about. But because I know him personally um, and I know of his goodwill and his good heart, it's impossible for me to dismiss him that way. I mean, I want to take him on on the level of argument and evidence. And, and that's what I was calling for in the piece. We tend to think of college, or at least the idea is that college is a place where one expands one's mind and learns about the world and learns about oneself and life. And yet the the impression you're giving or is that in some ways it's, if not expanding, it might even be narrowing people's minds. I think in some ways that's true, but I think we need to be careful. I, I As I wrote in the piece, I think our students do learn things and things that are very important, hard, what I call hard facts, they learn. So they learn things about history and about science and about sociology and anthropology that um, are good to know and important to know, in some cases essential to know, to be an informed participant in, in, in these discussions. But, but in another way, because there are, as I, as I argue 
there are these other sort of, sort of dogmatic things that are always there. Like you have to have the right position on gender. You have to have the right position on sexuality. You have to have the right position on guns. You have to have the right position on the role of government um, to even be part of the community of college education, college higher education. That rule, that does narrow a particular point of view. I, I know some students feel that they can't even offer a their true positions in class for fear of being, you know, branded a certain way and, and marginalized and labeled. And that's, that is narrowing. And that, I think that is something that we need to address. Anything else you'd like to touch on? Well, I, th- I just, as a theologian, I think I want to mention that we all have, all of us, regardless of our level of education, regardless of our commitment or lack thereof to religious belief, we all have sources of ultimate concern to the, to the extent that our lives have meaning at all. We have uh, irre- what's called an irreducible source of ultimate concern. And I think if we go into those kinds of discussions with people in the front of our minds, that none of us can escape that kind of like, okay, I'm just claimed by this um, ultimately, and I don't have you know good maybe good arguments or evidence for this position, but I just kind of believe it based on intuition or the beauty of the story or some such. I mean, that that's the kind of humility that I think all of us need to have as we go into conversations, especially those with whom we disagree. Well, thank you very much. No, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. That was Charles Camosi, Associate Professor at Fordham University. You can read more about him at our website, apmreports.org slash educate dash podcast. While you're there, you can also check out more of our work on K-12 and higher education. And we've got a new podcast where you can troll through the archives of our acclaimed documentaries. That's apmreports.org slash podcasts. What did you think about this podcast? Let us know. Our contact information is at our website, apmreports.org, or you can write a review for us on iTunes. We're on Facebook at APM Reports, and our handle at Twitter is at Educate Podcast, one word. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM. <laughs>